Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Up Level Your Career podcast with Judson and Jerome. My name is Jerome Emhoff. I'm one of the hosts, and today we're continuing our conversation about networking. So this is networking part two. Um, just so you're aware, if you've listened to our podcast before, you know that we record from our homes in Palm Springs, California, and Incline Village, Nevada. So uh, you might hear some background noises. You might hear the noises of our neighborhoods. Uh, it's just one of the, the realities of recording a somewhat low-tech podcast for right now. Um, I'm Jerome Emhoff. I'm a career coach and a resume writer uh, with a practice, uh, a 10-year practice, which I started in San Francisco. I work with job seekers, career changers, and others who are looking for, uh, looking to make an edge in the marketplace. And Judson. hello, everybody. <laughs> this is Judson Walsh. I also am a career coach, career consultant, and I've been career coaching for about 10 years now. And I work with people who are in job transition and people who are underemployed or unemployed or just looking for their next gig. Glad to be with you today. Glad you're able to join us. One, one sort of note about today's podcast, we're going to finish up what we were speaking about uh, in our previous podcast of, uh, about networking. But stay tuned toward the end of the podcast or even like a third of the way through, we're going to start talking about virtual networking because it seems to be a topic that's very timely in light of all of the things that are going on worldwide with the coronavirus and COVID-19. So stay tuned for that, um, and uh, hopefully we'll have some great tips to, uh, to share with you with regard to that. So, Judson, are you ready to just jump in with kind of where we left off? You bet I am, Jerome. <laughs> okay. So one of the things that we didn't get a chance to mention was looking for opportunities to network uh, sort of just through your day-to-day -day life. Uh, I lived in San Francisco for a number of years. I rode the public transit back and forth to work, um, was in coffee shops in different places, and I got very good at sort of keeping my ears open to what was going on around me. And of course, you don't want to eavesdrop and and, uh, you know, be intrusive. But there were times when I couldn't help but overhear a conversation. And because I was a recruiter, I'd hear people speaking about their need to find a new job or that they were interested in making a transition. And at that time, what I would do is, uh, you know, if I overheard that, I would just say, hey, couldn't help but overhear that you're looking for a job. I happen to be a recruiter, and I would love to take a look at your resume. Here's my business card. Feel free to reach out to me if it makes sense. Um, so as a job seeker, the same thing might happen. You might overhear somebody um, on Muni talking about working at Gap Incorporated, and that happens to be a company you really want to work for. You know, take the opportunity to very politely say, hey, couldn't help but over here. You work for Gap. I really want to work at, at Gap Incorporated. Could you tell me a little bit about what it's like to work there? People love to talk about themselves. And uh, as long as you're friendly and not super intrusive, you can really leverage those opportunities. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. And I think that's a great question to ask if you're not sure how to approach the conversation and how to break into it. Um, exactly what you said, because, you know, that's just sharing information. What's it like to work there? That's their opinion. And everyone has an opinion, of course. Jerome, do you have any suggestions for someone who might be an introvert and might feel, you know, a little 
tentative around approaching a stranger? <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that because I am very much an introvert. Um, and, uh, and also, you know, introverts aren't always necessarily shy, but I, I was very, very shy um, as a young person and in my teenage years, um, and even as a young adult for starting out. And uh, one of the things that I can say is it gets easier with practice. And I knew that if I wanted to be successful in my business um, and also meet friends in a new city, I needed to put myself out there. And what I learned is that a large percentage of people actually consider themselves shy. And so you're not really alone in the world if you if that's uh, something that you feel nervous about. And, you know, doing things like just smiling at people, making eye contact, saying hello, uh, you know, just those very simple things uh, can be, be really helpful. And then just sort of um, faking it. Fake it till you make it. That's what I did for a long time. I pretended I was confident um, until I really was. And uh, um, and so I learned. I learned through practice. I learned because it was something I knew I needed to do. Uh, so I would just encourage those people listening who might be shy or introverted just to, you know, bolster their confidence, do whatever they need to do just to say hello, make eye contact, smile. Um, and yeah. you will find that when you make that initial um, uh, move, 99.99% of the time, the receiver of your uh, of your hello will be really open to having a conversation. Most people are, unless they're super yeah. busy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you got to read the body language. Of, of course, course, right? Yeah, and most people just you know we're afraid, and so we we uh, you know dwell on that fear and sort of the unknown. But when we actually t- make make the move, it it just it's very it's very easy. So. Right. Well, let me add this too. Um, you know, the confidence factor is such a key component to this thing. And, and I hear what you're saying, you know, fake it till you make it. That's part of it. But I think also when you get a better feel for what you're looking for and where you're looking to go and you're just confident in that, that will, that will surface in your conversations. And I think it'll give you the confidence to, to, you know, reach out to somebody knowing their conversation might go there that you'll have something solid to say. You, you'll know and uh, that you've targeted the gap or whomever. <clears throat> and right. so with that, you know, this goes back to our elevator speech that we were talking about. If you get that down in a conversational manner, I think this will give you the confidence to break into conversations, whether it's on public transportation or at a conference or at a networking event or wherever it happens to be. Just knowing where you want to go is going to give you confidence. Yeah, and this might be a good time to um, to talk about some of the tips that I, I received from Pat Mayfield. Pat Mayfield is a business consultant who lives in the Bay Area. She's written a number of books. She's trained sales teams. Uh, she does presentations on networking. That's actually how I met her. And as we were preparing for this podcast, I asked her if she had any tips for us. And she shared a number of things. And one of those was just to be prepared when you're going to a networking event. And she, she suggested doing things like making sure you're, you've read the local newspaper and you know what's going on in the world so that you have some things to talk about. Uh, reading trade publications if you're going to an industry event so that if somebody starts talking about 
new technology or, or new methodologies for doing things that you don't stand there totally confused, you know. So um, let me let me I, add something there sure. related to the professional associations to be better informed. Many professional associations have newsletters, and you can sign up for them. Usually, it's free. And if you can keep up with what's happening in the industry, specific maybe even to that professional association's conference, that's going to give you fodder for conversation as well. Right, right. And then she also suggested for shy people to really know what they're going to say ahead of time and maybe even practice it. So, again, the elevator pitch, um, you know, um, those kinds of things. And also – uh, the kinds of questions that you might ask someone you're networking with so that you get information from them. Because ultimately, that's, you know, a huge part of this is to, um, to, to get information as well. And so to have the types of questions available, uh, you know, tell me about what you do. What do you think about this, uh, you know, something new in the, in the industry that will get people talking about themselves. And, and as a shy person, when you can get the other person talking, it, it sort of gives you a chance to sort of, you know, ground yourself in the moment and then feel confident uh, moving forward. Um, yeah, so that's, absolutely. Yeah. And I would also encourage those, you know, especially at a conference of some sort, have a pad of paper or something. It could be on your phone, uh, but do take notes, more than mental notes if you can. Even if it's after the conversation, write down a few thoughts on what was said, because if you follow up with them in an email or, and or on LinkedIn, you can reference what they talked about and what you collectively talked about. <clears throat> so I think it's important right. that we take notes, and that's part of our follow-up that we haven't really gotten to yet. Uh, right. Very important component to it, to make it relevant. And I, would, and I would suggest that if you take notes about a conversation, that you do it after the conversation has ended and maybe step to the side and put some things in your phone, um, just so that the person you're speaking with doesn't feel uncomfortable like you're a reporter or something writing down what they're saying you, you might just want to be aware of that and the other thing um in terms of like um someone's business card after the event when i get home i'll write down the event on the card so i'll remember later where i met them but i'm really careful about not writing on somebody's business card um in front of them because some people think that's um, and in some cultures that that's considered um, poor form. So later you can do that, but I wouldn't do it in front of them. Um, yeah. You know, we all carry around our smartphones, and it's a great way to um, to take notes. You could even take the notes feature and and speak into you know if you're typing on the iPhone seems cumbersome, record a, a, a voice message, a little memo in your phone, you know, and read right. the person's name and a few a few things you remember so that you have it for follow up. Uh, before yeah. we get into follow up, just a couple of th other things to mention very quickly. Um, I want you to all think about your spheres of influence and six degrees of separation. With my coaching clients, when we're talking about networking, I actually have them do an exercise where they list their three of influence and so spheres of influence would be any of the ways the people that we we normally sort of just engage with on a weekly daily basis based on where where we are in our lives so spheres of influence could be people you know in, in a church in a volunteer group you belong to maybe you belong to a social uh, group maybe you have a hobby you know like if you knit and you belong to a knitting group um, you know those are all 
your spheres of influence, those are the circles of people you hang out with. And then six degrees of separation is who do those people know? Like it could be that uh, somebody in your uh, ladies group, you know, maybe you get together once a week and have brunch with, um, uh, you know, six other ladies. One of them could be the connection to somebody you really want to meet, but you just haven't mentioned it yet. And, um, and we may be touched on this a little bit last, last week, um, but actually just sit down and say, okay, here are the different groups on paper, right? Here's the church group I belong to. I belong to this Bible study. List all the people. And then say, okay, where does this person work? Right? So Sarah in my Bible study works for Bank of America. Okay. Who's her husband? Who did, where does he work? He's a, real, he's a real estate agent. Okay. He comes into contact with a lot of people. I might want to have a, I might want to ask Sarah to set up a time for me to talk to her husband to find out who his clients have been and maybe who he could introduce me to. Um, and so just doing that exercise, you know, who's their brother, who's their sister, um, who's their yeah. uncle or aunt, you know, it could be any number of things, but, and, but unless we actually sit down and map that out, we're likely to, to, to miss so many opportunities. And the concept is six degrees of separation. A long time ago, uh, there was a play about it, but it, the idea is that you can meet any other person in the world. We're six degrees separated from every other person. We just have to know who our first contact is. Who's the first call, phone call I need to make uh, to, to get to that other person in six degrees. So do you have anything to say about that? Well, I would add, too, as part of that process of understanding the backgrounds and connections of your people in your sphere of influence, do look at LinkedIn. And if you're on their link, if you guys are already connected on LinkedIn, then you have access to look at their network. But right. just looking at that can give you a fair amount of information about the individual. So when you do have a conversation with them, you can say, hey, I noticed on LinkedIn that you're connected with so-and-so or something, but make it relevant. Right. <clears throat> and LinkedIn's a right. powerful tool, can be used in many ways, but this is just another way that this could be used. And if you're not on there and, and it makes sense to ask to be connected, incorporate that into the conversation. Just say, hey, it seems like it would make sense for us to connect on LinkedIn. You know, Is it okay if I send you an invite? Just ask for permission. It's kind of a formality, but it's a good... Uh, approach, and then you're connected and you continue to build your network virtually. Right. That's great. Um, so two last uh, couples of things before we get into follow-up. Um, in terms of spheres of influence, check out Meetup, meetup.com. Uh, it's a great way to meet people, especially if you're new in a, in a particular city and you're looking for social things. It's also a great way in a city you've already um, – you know, that you maybe have lived in a while and you're trying to build your network. Meetup has all kinds of groups based on similar interests. So it could be people who enjoy going to the opera. It could be people who enjoy hiking. And uh, so look into those social uh, aspects of, of our lives as ways of building your network really organically. So don't just consider, you know, professional organizations and things like that. Look at social gatherings as well. And Meetup is a great way to meet new people um, and to sort of expand your 
your your spheres of influence, if you will, right? It is. Um, yep. And and, and one other thought along those lines is with Meetup. I mean, it is a great resource, and you'll probably find a lot of groups that could be relevant to you. If for right. some reason you don't, you can always start your own Meetup group. And right. What a great way to approach the, you know, your networking event. Say, hey, I have a Meetup group. You know, would you like to join it? And, right. and you just right. build it that way. And the perceived credibility of you being a leader, taking the initiative, you've started a group, all that looks yeah. good, you know, in the eyes of everybody, but especially, you know, potential employers. Like, oh, okay, they're, they do take this initiative and they, they have leadership qualities. So there's a right. lot of good that right. can come out of starting your own meetup as well. And you can start groups on LinkedIn as well. I know a guy in San Francisco, uh, Kevin Nichols, who started the San Francisco Downtown Professional Networking Group. And he started this group, invited people to join it. And then he eventually was uh, a super user of LinkedIn. It used to be that when you log onto LinkedIn um, on the login screen, he was one of the people that they had featured. And, um, and he's an attorney and he's a writer and he's done a number of other things. But this group became super, super successful, and um, and he started it. So it really made him a subject matter expert. It made him, you know, like you said, it gave him just great um, street cred as as a leader, right? Because he started this group, um, yep. and was it was really successful. And he didn't just start the group; he started the group. That's one thing. But then he would. Um, do monthly activities like there would be a monthly coffee meeting or you know and he was sharing other things going around uh, you know going on around the city and so it was an active group too so yeah uh, it's a yeah really great great thing to do um we haven't talked about calling cards and i just want to talk about it really quickly so if you're in job search mode i recommend especially if you're not currently employed that you go to zazzle.com or um, what's the other one? Vistaprint or, or one of the, the places where you can order, you can design and order business cards, and they're relatively inexpensive. Um, if you're doing Vistaprint, please don't order the free ones that have the Vistaprint <laughs> logo on it. You know, spend some money on this, but create a, a calling card, a business card that has your name, your phone number, your email address, maybe the target job title. Maybe not. If you don't know exactly what you want to do, maybe it just has that information. On the back, you can uh, uh, do a quote or something that's a conversation starter. I had a, a client who um, had a sea turtle on the back of his card, and uh, and it was a great conversation starter because somebody already always asked about it, like what's the the significance of the sea, sea turtle. And, uh, and he would share a story, which I don't remember, unfortunately, but he would share a story about why the sea turtle was significant to him. And people, you know, that he engaged with remembered that it was a great conversation starter. But have a calling card. And I would suggest that even if you're currently employed and you're wanting to move out of the job, that you create a calling card that's a personal card so that when you're networking for your job search, you're not doing it with the business card of the company you're already working for, that kind of seems a little disingenuous to me. Uh, that's my personal yeah. opinion. You can do that effectively, yeah. maybe. That's okay. But one of the last things you want to have happen is to have somebody that you've been at a networking event for a job search, uh, you know, that you're looking for a job, email you on your work email about a new opportunity, not the best form. So having this calling card is really of value. Yes. No, I would agree with that. And, you know, you can go to any of those resources that we mentioned 
uh, in the past, I've gone to FedEx Kinko's, and you can just design it right there, and within an hour, um, they have them printed and ready to go. And, oh, and awesome. to your point, pardon? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, cool. no, it, it can definitely work, and, and make it a quality card, you know, nice and thick, and not, not just one that looks perforated or is perforated. <laughs> you probably don't want right, that. Right. <laughs> right? <clears throat> so we want to do that. And, and to, to your point, Jerome, about you know, the area that you're interested, you could just put marketing, if you're a marketing person right. or sales or whatever, be broad and generic because that can start a conversation and it can leave it open and it doesn't pigeonhole you into any particular position. Right, right. That's great. Okay. So let's talk about follow-up now. Justin, do you want to lead us in that discussion? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is probably one of the most crucial components to networking because in my experience, very few people actually follow up. And I think that following up is is going to be important from, from from at least a couple of perspectives. One is you're being proactive about it and you're you're reaching out and you're connecting. And hopefully what you had done in the conversation with that person is found out how you might be able to help them. So if you know of a way, and maybe it's just introducing them to someone or a resource or sending them an article, whatever it happens to be, I think that that's going to keep you in the forefront of their mind. And it says a lot about you, I think, that you know you followed up and you're taking this initiative. It's so very important um, to establish that. And more conversations will stem from that. Oftentimes, right. like, hey, nice to hear from you. Thanks for the article. I've been thinking about our conversation, and, you know, you just don't know what's going to come from that. So right. you right. got to make the, the contact. And, and it certainly does get you – well, I was going to say it's, it gets you a lot of mileage, and that sounds disingenuous too, and I don't mean it in that way. No, but, but it, it just, really does. It really yeah. does, yeah. Yeah. So, and I, of course, you want to do these things in a way that's very natural and organic for you, right? Um, so don't, um, you know, that's one of the things I'm always talking with my uh, coaching clients about. I do interview coaching, and, and I'll have a conversation like, like Justin and I are having right now with a client, and then we'll start the interview, and suddenly they become somebody completely different. I'm like, wait a second, where was Sally that I just was speaking to a moment ago? So right. there's this sort of concept that we have to elevate who we are to engage in job search and business. You don't have to. Be who you are. Um, but, you know, as you're reaching out, remind the, the contact of the conversation you had. If you if you talked about a connection you could make, yes, suggest that, you know, give them something of value. And then, um, you know, invite them to a coffee or take them to lunch. Uh, because Ultimately, we network to make the initial connection, but nothing is going to happen from that five-minute conversation. It's not going to happen unless you follow up. And you have to consistently follow up with people um, because not everybody, especially if somebody is currently employed and they're very busy, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? And I'm not saying that to say you need to be um, – like a crazy stalker or, or you know intrusive or or rude about it, but stay front of mind as much as you can. Um, so you follow up with them initially. You know, great meeting you. Can we have a coffee? You know, right. Well, and here's and another then, thought. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. 
Well, I was just going to say, and so then, you know, maybe, maybe they're not available that week for the coffee. I'll get back to you next week. Great. Next week rolls around. Monday, Tuesday, go by. If I haven't heard from somebody by Wednesday, I'm going to drop them a line and just remind them in a very polite way. I always say I realize you're probably super, super busy, but I so enjoyed our conversation at the networking event. I'm really excited to have coffee with you. Are you available on Friday? And sometimes yeah. by even suggesting the dates, the time, you've, you've made it easy. Don't leave things open-ended, right? Open-ended never works. Always set the expectation. I'm available. I'll be in the, your neighborhood next Tuesday. Does that work for you? You yeah. know, no, I, I would agree. That is such a key component to this too. I'm glad you mentioned that because you know you put out two or three different options, and then they're forced to pick or choose or deny. Say no, I can't do then, and then hopefully, ideally, they would say, but I can do next week Thursday. You know, and and you just you focus the the effort a whole right. lot more. And and right. one other thing I was going to mention, you know, if you're not comfortable, if you're like thinking, okay, coffee, maybe it wasn't that good of a connection, or for whatever reason, you wouldn't feel comfortable with that, part of your follow-up could include, and here's an event happening next week that I heard about, might I see you there? Because that'd be another way to see them again and, and strengthen that relationship and nurture it a little bit and see if there really is a good mutual fit. I think, you know, Helping being a resource for people on on events and activities is very valuable. So if you're thinking, well, what value is you know can I bring to this conversation or <clears throat> to this working relationship? Especially if I'm unemployed, people think, well, I don't have anything to give. Yes, you do. You have your network to share, and you can be a source of local knowledge of events and right. activities. And right. so you can you can reach out with that or an article based on the chat we had. You know, I ran across this article in Forbes or wherever, and I thought it might be of interest to you. I mean, it's just a nice right. way to to reach out to people and and provide something relevant to their lives professionally. Yeah, absolutely. I have to tell you, I have a good friend who does that so naturally, and I always feel so cared for by her. Because she'll yeah. find she'll be reading a, a magazine and there'll be an article about someone I like and she'll you know take it out and she'll mail it to me, you know. And so I think the point is, in a lot of ways, is these relationships are relationships, even though it's a business, it's relationships. So the polite things, the thoughtful things that we can do, um, are just they just really set the tone, right? So sending someone an article, giving them access to an event. Um, maybe it's an organization they don't know about and they need an invite to go, right? You know, yep. I'd love to take you as my guest, you know. Um, so just be looking for those opportunities. But, you know, I, I think the bottom line with all of this is that follow-up is critical. And don't expect the other person to do it ever, you know. It's lovely if they do. In fact, I went to a, a networking event and I met – uh, somebody who is a great contact, and we were great contacts for each other. And um, when I got back to my desk the next day, he'd already followed up. And uh, and he he was kind of funny. He said, "I beat you to the follow up," <laughs> you know. And it, yeah. it was funny. And we ended up having coffee together, and we ended up, you know, actually really helping each other out in business, and it was great. Um, but oftentimes, the other person isn't going to follow up, and and right. don't take it personally if they don't. Right, people are busy, especially if you're looking for work and they're currently employed. They're busy, so right. um, absolutely. That's why you need to follow up. 
So do you, this, this may be getting into detail here, but do you have any thoughts or rules of thumb on, on how quickly you might want to follow up? I mean, is next day too soon? Is it come across as too desperate? Should you wait a couple of days? Not to play games or anything, but what's your gut tell you? I, would, I usually follow up the next day, but, but it often depends on the level of connection. Um, if it felt like we had a really good rapport, a great conversation, I'll follow up the next day. If maybe it wasn't, you know, a super, super warm lead, I might follow up the day, you know, let a day go by and then follow up the following okay. day. I would say never let a week go by before you follow up. Um, and typically networking events happen somewhere midweek, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, I would say by Friday, I, I want to follow up. And maybe yeah. you have, you know, if you're out networking on a, on a regular basis, maybe you have a, a day where that's what you do. You devote a day to, to working your network. So maybe Friday afternoons is when you send out emails to people you've met recently, people who are in your network that you haven't heard from uh in a while or that you want to reconnect with. Um, yeah. And one last thing I would say is, you know, maybe sometimes people say, oh, I met this person a year ago and I didn't follow up and it's too late. Well, it gets later if you don't do anything, right? Um, so you can apologize for not following up sooner. But if you have the connection, reach out. Just reach out. It may not go anywhere, but as Wayne Gretzky said, um, and it's always funny that I quote sports people because I am not a sports fan, but Wayne Gretzky said, you miss 100% of the shots you never take. Um, so, you know, it could have been a year. Reach out anyway. If they don't follow up with you, don't get back to you, so be it. But at least you've done something. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great. So I think in the sake of time, zone, we should probably move on to the virtual side of things. You know, Absolutely. the timeliness of, of everything going virtual, I think people are getting really creative in how they're approaching, in, in this context, networking, because we can't right. really go for coffee so much anymore. So yeah. let, let's kind of talk about this, because everyone's dealing with it globally. Right. And, right. and so from that perspective, you want to just start the conversation? Yeah. So, you know, this uh, virtual networking, I just want to just – just to mention that these are all great practices to employ even after this COVID-19 scare passes us. You know, when we get back to life as usual, you're still going to want to do these things because virtual networking is so easy. It's very convenient. Don't do them in lieu of actual meetings, but they can augment what you're doing. So, um, you know, there's a, there's also a, I hate to say it this way, but there's a viral nature of things that happen online, right? You, you know, especially if you're posting great content, sharing great content online and other people share it, maybe you create, you know, your own video and, and people share it and continue to share it. You know, there is that no, notion of, of things going viral. So that doesn't happen in one-on-one -on -one conversation, right? But it does happen online. So just be aware of that about how um, how powerful it can be. But let's start really by talking about LinkedIn because LinkedIn is the probably the best resource we have for professional networking. Um, it is, you know, basically your Facebook for business and for your professional image. And um, I was actually hired in 
2017 to review the profiles of premium members on LinkedIn. And so LinkedIn gave me a list of best practices for how somebody should build their profile. And I just want to go through those very quickly and then we'll jump in on it, sort of how, how to use LinkedIn. So uh, best practices for building your LinkedIn profile. Absolutely have a photo. People engage with other people. They want to see what you look like. Don't use a logo for a company. Um, don't use you know, some stock photo or something. Have a professional photo that shows your face without sunglasses, without a ball cap, um, something that's uh, you, you look happy, you look engaged. Make sure you don't have a drink in your hand. Um, don't crop somebody else out of the picture, right? Um, but something, just a nice, and you don't have to have a professional headshot. You can have a friend take it. Don't take it in your mirror, right? Have somebody <laughs> take a good photo of you, nice background. It could be a photo of you sitting at your desk, whatever. But you want to make eye contact with the camera. You want to look happy. You want to look natural. So that's the first thing, have a photo. The second is a customized headline. The default headline on LinkedIn is your current job, right? But you can rewrite that. So write a headline that positions you as a job seeker, or that's a, a little bit more customized. So it could be marketing professional with 10 plus years of experience, leveraging digital media to drive results, something like that, right? Something that's describes who you are, what you can offer somebody. Make sure you optimize the summary. The summary portion of LinkedIn can have 2,000 characters. Most people don't leverage that section. They write just a very brief uh, paragraph. I like to see an opening summary that describes you and your soft skills and what you're bringing to the table, and then maybe some highlights of achievements, so some bullet points of things you've, you've done in your career that are significant. How did you increase revenues? How did you save money? How did you uh, streamline processes? Were you involved in a major project? So do some bullet points. And then at the very end of the profile summary, I do a list of specialties. Um, so within your industry, what are the things you're really good at? So again, with marketing, are you good at digital marketing? Are you great with marketing communications? Um, you know, those, those kinds of things. So, so maybe like a list of four specialties. Um, Next, relevant skills. You can have up to 50 skills in your, summer, in your profile. You want to make sure the skills are really relevant um, and hard skills that apply to your job. Look at the job postings you're interested in applying for and take the language from them. Uh, don't, you know, don't list things like Microsoft Word or um, you know, uh, things that are super, super low-level skills. Keep them high-level um, and don't, don't be redundant. Um, but so really relevant skills, position descriptions, make sure that you've listed the jobs you've worked at and don't just put the jobs, job title dates and leave it blank. Give a brief summary of the essential job functions. LinkedIn is content based, so you have to have keywords um, and then add additional um, sections. So there's a section you can add for projects. If you've worked on significant projects, add that section. There's sections for certifications. There's sections for um, uh, different courses you've taken and, and different things. So look at the additional sections you can add and add them if you can. A lot of people make the mistake of thinking this is social media. It should be brief. True. It should be brief. 
but you want to maximize all the opportunity also to have content so that the algorithms will work in your favor and so that if somebody comes to your profile and wants to spend some time there, they're going to get a wealth of information. The last thing I would say very quickly is to leverage rich media. So there are places on LinkedIn where you can add uh, PowerPoint presentations, you can add slideshows, you can add, you can upload your resume as a PDF, you can put video on on uh, your LinkedIn profile. So take advantage of all of those things so that when somebody comes to your profile, it's very robust. I went through those very quickly, uh, Judson. Is there anything you want to add? Well, I wouldn't really add anything. I think you covered it very well. What I would like to ask you, and it may be on the minds of our listeners, is if you are currently employed, how can you leverage LinkedIn by indicating that you are open to new opportunities or you're, you're looking as opposed to you know, just kind of a passive job seeker? How, right. can you, how can you indicate that without your boss saying, hey, I saw you're looking for work. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, so, yeah, so that, right. So be careful a little bit with the headline. Uh, because in the case of the headline I suggested, like 10 plus years and, you know, leveraging digital media to increase revenues, that sounds very job seekerish. may not want to do that. Um, you might do something that's, you still want to customize headline, but maybe not that obvious that you're looking. Um, my suggestion would be to uh, make sure that you've set the profile uh, where it is, uh, where you've ticked off that you're looking for opportunities to network. Um, you're open to speaking to recruiters. There's a place in the settings where you can indicate that. And then it's not so obvious to your current employer. Um, so I would do those things. And then I would say um, that I would make sure I was in the driver's seat in that case, because it's not going to be so obvious. I'm going to use my LinkedIn profile to reach out to other people rather than waiting for them to get in touch with me, um, because I can't be so obvious that I'm a job seeker. Um, one of the things I would also suggest, and I don't know if LinkedIn still has the setting, but it used to be that whenever you made a change to your profile, it told everyone in your network that you had just updated it. Um, I don't think it does that anymore, um, but if it does, those are called broadcasts, and you can go into the back end of LinkedIn and turn off the broadcasts. You're going to want to do that. Um, and then pay attention to who's viewing your profile. Right. If you have a premium membership, you'll see who's viewing your profile. Um, if you don't, you'll get to see, you know, some of the top views. And if you find that your boss is reviewing it a lot, then you kind of know that they're onto something. But um, uh, I, I think it all kind of depends on the relationship with the boss too. That is tricky. It is, you know, I I don't have a really super great answer for it because every situation is so different. But I would say just, you know. Starting off the broadcast, making sure the headline isn't so I'm looking for a job, um, you know. Right. Yeah. And one thing I'll just add to this, I, in my experience with LinkedIn, I can sometimes tell when people are starting their job search because they reach out and they connect with me, and right. even though we've known each other for a while. So, you know, the, the point being in part is that continuously build your network when you don't need it, so it's there when you do. Right. right. And I think that's a real um, important element to LinkedIn, um, just because, you know, you don't want to reach out to people only when you need something. That's the way it typically right. works, but you don't have to be one of those people necessarily, right? So don't make it an out-of-the-blue 
oh, hey, how's it going? I'm looking for a job. That's not going right. to go over well. Right. Well, that's, I think, one of the keys to this whole networking, virtual networking, especially networking on LinkedIn. What's important is that you're an active user on LinkedIn. So many people build their LinkedIn profile and then just let it set. They don't do anything with it. And um, what what's important is to pay attention to what's in your news feed when you log on to LinkedIn because you're going to see the articles and different things people are posting. Make comments. Like the you know, like them. You know, if you're on Facebook you you know, or Instagram, it's all about how many likes you've gotten. But we don't think about that in terms of LinkedIn. Be engaged in that conversation. You're going to get notifications that somebody has a birthday. Reach out and wish them happy birthday on LinkedIn or that they have a work anniversary or they started a new position. So those yeah. are all really organic ways of being in touch with your with your network. And one of the things I love about LinkedIn is it's a really great way for me to keep track of my network. I no longer have to have a Rolodex or a bunch of business cards all in right. one place. Right. Yep. So one one suggestion I would have, and then we'll just move on down because uh, we have a lot more to cover. But in terms of the birthday or the promotions they received, you have two options. You can use LinkedIn and send it through their in-mail system. What I typically will do to personalize it a little more is I will just get their email address because you have it as a first connection, and then just send them an email that way. <clears throat> it's because not everybody you know, looks at their LinkedIn often. Some people right. do all the time. But I just think it personalizes a little bit more if you send it to your Gmail account or whatever email right. address is in, in their profile. Right, right, so, right. Yep. Yep. Okay. Great, great suggestion. Um, I would suggest that you take advantage of groups on LinkedIn. Uh, groups, if, you've, if you're a LinkedIn user, you know that there are groups set up for professional organizations, common interests, um, you know, groups for project managers, uh, groups for, you know, for any number of things. So explore the groups, join groups that seem important. And then, again, I can't say this enough, engage in the conversation. So if you're in a group of other project managers, go to that page, the group page, and see what people are talking about. And maybe they're talking about, um, you know, uh, being a scrum master. You know, maybe they're saying, is it, you know, how, how important it is, is it for me to get the certification? And if you've done the certification, talk about it. Uh, you're engaging with other people in your industry, and it's a great way to set yourself up as a, a subject matter expert. Um, as well, some of the groups actually share job posts. So on the group page, there are icons at the top, little tabs. There's one for positions that are open. Take advantage of that. Look at look for those, um, and then start conversations in the group if you can. You know, maybe you've just read a great article. Post it in the group. Hey, read this article in Forbes. What do you think? You know, and don't just say you know. Let them know that you've read it. Maybe you say you know this this the writer of this article thinks that this is the a new trend. Are you seeing it as well? You know, so really thoughtful content in groups is really. Um, a great way of engaging other people. Yep, absolutely. I think in the sake of time, Jerome, we should probably talk a little bit about Zoom and Skype and conference calling as a part of yep. the virtual connectivity that we yeah, have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 
So Zoom, um, if you're a stockholder, good for you, because it's probably <laughs> gone up. Um, but I will say, you know, I mean, it started with Skype for most of us, and I'm a Zoom user personally, and it can be so valuable. In fact, I just, I was supposed to have a coffee meeting with a gentleman in Reno, and all things considered, we said, well, we really can't because the coffee shop is closed and, and all. But what we're doing instead is we're going to meet on Zoom, and it's going to be kind of a brown bag lunch because it's over the lunch hour. You know, we have to eat, so we're just saying let's, let's connect on Zoom over the lunch hour. We'll, we'll eat and we'll chat. So I, I think Zoom and Skype, whatever your favorite is, is, is such a wonderful solution. And, and if you're using Zoom, learn about its features and what all you can do with it because you can, it can be more than just one-on-one. -on -one. You could have a group of people, and there are some limitations on Zoom if you're using the free model. But to be able to use Zoom with multiple people, you could even break out into little sessions and then bring people back for conversation. So if you're trying to lead a group, uh, I'm starting one here uh, next week, uh, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. <clears throat> so um, using, using this technology is, is just such a wonderful solution. And, and like you said earlier, Jerome, this doesn't have to be just for the time being. This can be a wonderful solution for a number of ways to connect with people. And connecting with people across the world, right? So, uh, you know, you had mentioned this in the notes you sent me, and I, I just was like, oh, my gosh, would it be great? You know, I'm a job seeker, and I know six other job seekers, and I know a headhunter in New York City who could give us tips. Let me get in touch with that, that headhunter and see if he'll get on a Zoom call with my six friends and answer questions with us or practice interviewing with us. Right, so you can set up some really great um, opportunities to engage with people all across the the world, uh, and and share good content, share job leads with one another. Um, you know, you had mentioned doing speed networking because uh, you can put people in groups. So maybe you're the job seeker and you put together um, a, a a group of people, you know, twenty people, and you're going to practice your elevator pitch. You know, you can lead that group, you can talk about what it is, and then you can do breakout sessions. Um, so there's so much opportunity for that. And, um, uh, you know, so there's Zoom, there's uh, a, a free conferencing, free conference calling services online where you can actually do conference calls if maybe you you aren't able to, you know, Zoom's too, too crazy for you and you're not sure how that works, you can set up a conference phone call. Um, yep. But there's so well, many ways to go ahead. Yeah. Now, I was just going to say on the conference call concept, most phones now you can do that just on your phone. You just add Absolutely. a call and you dial it and yep. then plug it in. So you could do that very low tech if you didn't want right. to go this other route. But it's, I think it's important that we just keep connected with people um, in our network and, and invite new people into our network constantly. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so uh, before we run out of time, I just want to go over some just some general um, ways to use social media, too, that maybe you haven't thought about. So uh, in one of our previous calls uh, uh, or previous podcasts, uh, Judson had talked about um, his C-list, which is the, the target list of companies. 
that you've made, right? So through that list, you've developed maybe a list of your top 10 companies you want to work for. They meet all the criteria. I would say follow those 10 companies on every social media platform that they're on. Follow them on Twitter. Follow them on Instagram. Follow them on Facebook. And then engage, right? So they post something about a new product, and you've used that product. You you talk about it on their page. But, uh, you know, lots of companies are using social media in those ways. They're using it to engage with their customers. Use it to engage as a job seeker. Um, you know, follow, follow yeah. them on Twitter. Go ahead. Absolutely. I was going to say on the following side, a couple of other thoughts on that, the benefits of it is, yes, you're going to see the new products perhaps, but you're also going to learn about maybe any growth that they have or employee right. changes. Um, and if you're on LinkedIn doing that, you'll see they usually will say, and, you know, here are the people in your network that work there. Right. So it, it really does focus your, your whole job search effort right? Um, in, in, in a nice one-stop shop in a way. Right. And it, one more thing back to LinkedIn. Make sure you – when you're doing searches on LinkedIn, there's a uh, – by the search bar, there's a place where you can do an advanced search or there are additional filters. So click on that always because you can do – you can break down your search by – you can say, I want to see people who work in marketing at Gap. And then you can say, I want first connections, first tier, second tier, third tier connections or more. So use that to really refine your, your search so that you're, you know, as you're reaching out to people, you can actually get into the right people. Um, the other thing I would say, again, about following people is follow professional associations. So if you're, um, you know, belong to a project management uh, uh, group, uh, professional organ uh, association for project managers or for teachers or whatever it happens to be, follow all of those professional organizations on uh, social media platforms too. And again, yep. engage. Engage. Yeah. Um, one other comment. Uh, I think one of the best ways to get plugged into a given industry or sector is, are the professional associations. And one thing that I learned, <clears throat> a couple things. One, to get fully engaged do what you can to to not only attend the events, but perhaps get on a committee of some sort. Yes. Because if you get on a committee, it could be membership, it could be policy, whatever it is, you are on the inside. And if you become an ambassador, so to speak, you go to events, sometimes you get in for free because of that, but more importantly, you have an opportunity uh, and a responsibility, really, to go and, and network with people. And, and it mm -hmm. makes it so much easier for those who are introverts say, hey, just wanted to, you know, on behalf of XYZ Association, I just wanted to welcome you to the event today. What brings you here mm -hmm. today type thing? And you can Absolutely. build your network that way too. Um, yeah. And then another thing that I encourage people to look at as they're creating their target list of companies, especially if it's an industry-specific target list that you've created. Um, and I did this with um, FEI today, and I saw this. And this applies across the board usually. But if you look at the committee members, you'll see who they are, but also what companies they work for. And if you are trying to come up with more companies in that industry, if they're part of that professional association, they're most likely going to be in companies that are industry specific. So right. you may learn about new companies 
or you might be reminded of companies that you didn't think of to add right. to your target list. And then when you go, what I would encourage you to do from a, uh, a process perspective, go look at those companies' websites, see if they have any openings, and if they do, at the next get-together, you know, the next lunch for the professional association, you find that person and, and you, you have a conversation with them. Say, hey, I noticed, right. you know, that uh, you guys have a job posting here. Tell me a little bit about the company and what it's like to work there and, you know, just see where the conversation goes. But it helps you really target uh, people and companies. And, a, and right. a good way to do it. I mean, if you're part of an association, that's, that's expected that, that you'd have some conversations and networking chats. So it, it's a good way to, to bolster your target list too. Yeah. And oftentimes, you know, when you go to the website and you're seeing who the committee members are, oftentimes they'll even publish their, their email addresses because they're yeah. members of these committees or part of the, the organizational uh, governing body that's, so critical. And I want to just pick up on one thing you mentioned, sort of as an aside. You mentioned that it's great if you're an introvert to be a part of these associations. Here's what I would say. If you're an introvert and you want to build your network, absolutely get involved on committees or boards of directors because it's such an organic way of building your network and having purpose. Uh, because I... As an introvert myself, when I'm in my comfort zone or I have a reason for being somewhere, it op you know, like if I'm an ambassador for the organization or I'm handing out name badges or whatever it happens to be, suddenly that introversion, it's gone or it's a lot easier. I'm not as shy because I have a reason to talk with you. I'm not just, you know, some random guy coming up to you, you know, to have a conversation. So it's it's one of the things I did when I – lived in San Francisco. I got on the board of directors of the Golden Gate Business Association. I joined a BNI group. Um, I went, you know, got involved in the Chamber of Commerce because I knew that I needed a, kind of a reason to be at these things. So um, absolutely great, great suggestion. Yeah. Um, and then so two, two other um, possibilities. Um, one, you know, when we're starting to gather again as a society, um, I would encourage you to check out your local rotary. Rotary Club can be good. It's not yeah. a business leads exchange program, but you do meet people that are part of the community. And then, of course, right. you know, Toastmasters is, yeah. is always good, you know, to learn how to speak better in public and, and to become more confident uh, in that. That's a lifelong skill that you will forever value. There's no doubt. And it's such so, a supportive but, environment for that. Yeah, it right. really is. Absolutely yeah. is. So. All good. Well, I think we need to wrap it up here. Is there anything else you wanted to say in closing? Just, just really quickly, because it's a very quick um, sort of suggestion. You had mentioned in your notes you sent to me, Judson, to sign up for webinars and, and um, you know, teleconferences or things like that that are industry-specific and also, uh, you know, that professional associations are doing. So that's another way to sort of gather information and be involved online during this time when we can't engage in person. Um, and oftentimes in those events, they allow you to ask questions. There's a chat room. Um, so I would say they're really valuable as well. Yep. Um, and I think as we get further into this virus situation, I think that'll become more and more prevalent that these absolutely. webinars will exist. So just keep an eye open. Like you said earlier, keep your eyes and ears open. In this case, online. And, and with other people in your network, 
take a look at what's happening there, talk to people and say, hey, what are you learning about in terms of webinars or groups, virtual groups? And, and you could always be that person too, just to share your network, say, you know, we're all in the financial world together. I just learned of a new uh, financial webinar that's coming up or whatever. Just, right. And that's a good way to reach out to your network and provide something of value. Right. Absolutely. Very good. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Just a really quick um, uh, some information. We um, are available on the iTunes in the iTunes um, podcast uh, store, so you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can also find us on Google Play. Uh, we're on Spotify, um, uh, a number of other uh, uh, platforms. So um, please share, uh, you know your your uh, experiences with this podcast uh, with other people. If you're a user of the iTunes podcast or the Google Play Store, if that's where you're finding us, please go on and review our podcast. Um, when you review the podcast, it makes us easier to find. It puts us more front of mind. So if you're finding that any of this information is of value to you, please do us that favor. If you want to reach out to us, you can reach both Judson and, and me at um, – uh, uplevelcareers at gmail.com. You can find me uh, by going to the resume shop inc.com and my contact information is there if you're interested in what I'm up to. And Judson, will you share your contact information as well? Yes, absolutely. name of my firm is Career Path Strategies and it's careerpathstrategies.com. So thank you so much, um, all of you, for listening. In these times of coronavirus and COVID-19, uh, we just want to wish you well. We want you to stay healthy. Um, please heed, heed the information that um, our, our leaders are giving us about staying in and, and reducing our um, exposure. Um, this is not the new normal. It's the new normal for temporarily, but I know this is we're going to get through this like we've gotten through everything. But in the meantime, um, do what you can to connect online and with other people and just really take great care of yourselves. And we really appreciate your listening to us. Thank you all. Bye now. Bye-bye.